And when Jacob had made an end of commanding his sons, he gathered up his feet into the bed and yielded up the ghost and was gathered unto his people. And Joseph fell upon his father's face and wept upon him and kissed him. And Joseph commanded his servants, the physicians, to embalm his father, and the physicians embalmed Israel. And forty days were fulfilled for him, for so are fulfilled the days of those which are embalmed. And the Egyptians mourned for him threescore and ten days. And Joseph went up to bury his father. And with him went up all the servants of Pharaoh, the elders of his house, and all the elders of the land of Egypt. And all the house of Joseph and his brethren, and his father's house. Only their little ones and their flocks and their herds they left in the land of Goshen. And there went up with him both chariots and horsemen, and it was a very great company. And his sons did unto him according as he commanded them. For his sons carried him into the land of Canaan, and buried him in the cave of the field of Machpelah, which Abraham bought with the field for a possession of a burying place of Ephraim the Hittite before Mamre. And when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us and will certainly requite us all the evil which we did unto him. And they sent a messenger unto Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, So shall ye say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin, for they did unto thee evil. And now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of thy father. And Joseph wept when they spake unto him. And his brethren also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we be thy servants. And Joseph said unto them, Fear not, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, he thought evil against me. But God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Now therefore fear ye not. I will nourish you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. And Joseph dwelt in Egypt, he and his father's house. And Joseph lived an hundred and ten years. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I die. And God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land unto the land which he sware to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. <laughs> and Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and ye shall carry up my bones from hence. 
he's dead. So Joseph died being 110 years old. And they embalmed him and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. Years ago, I read statistics on the biblical ignorance of American evangelicals, and it was heartbreaking. And I thought, not on my watch. And I repented for preaching topical messages all the time. I love them, they're great, but you skip things that you don't skip when you preach through books. And so I'm not going to immediately jump from this into another book, although Exodus would be a natural move. But that's why we do this here. And um, we're not the only one. There's thousands of churches that are learning from God's Word. Genesis chapter 50, the last chapter of this amazing book, ends with Jacob's death. Verse 1, Joseph fell on his father's face and wept over him and kissed him. Let me say, while sin is wrong, there is nothing wrong with being human. There are some theologies out there that have people denying their humanity, that you shouldn't cry when someone dies. After all, they're going to a better place, right? So suck it up, cupcake, and fake it till you make it. Not natural. Joseph was a man of faith and a man of integrity. And if he wept, now Jesus wept, not because Lazarus was dead, I think because he had to bring him back here. <laughs> There's a time to cry, a time to mourn, the Bible says. Weep with those who weep, the New Testament says, and rejoice with those who rejoice. While they're rejoicing with Peter's deliverance from jail, they're weeping with James's mother and John because James was beheaded. We live between two worlds, in the now, but between the now and the not yet, amen? So we're not inhuman people. Being inhuman kills your witness anyway. It gives the air that you're perfect and that you have it all together and the, that you're a robot, and that's not the will of God. So Joseph fell on his father's face, wept over him, and kissed him. And Joseph commanded his servants and physicians to embalm his father. So the physicians embalmed Israel. Now, the Jewish custom to this day, those that are faithful, is to bury the person in 24 hours. It, faithful Muslims bury their dead before sundown. <laughs> Can you imagine? Not knowing dad's dead, and when you come home, he's not only dead, he's buried. Bam! But Jacob wanted to be buried in his family burial plot. And embalming was necessary to make the trip. Forty days were required for him, for such are the days required of those who are embalmed. He wasn't embalmed by pagan magicians, but by their physicians. And the Egyptians mourned for him 70 days. Can you say honor? honor. Jacob was incredibly honored. Now when the days of his mourning were past, Joseph spoke to the household of Pharaoh, saying, if now I have found favor in your eyes, please speak in the hearing of Pharaoh, saying, 
My father made me swear, saying, Behold, I am dying in my grave, which I dug for myself in the land of Canaan. There you shall bury me. Now therefore, please let me go up and bury my father, and I will come back. Pharaoh responded, Of course. Verse 6, Go up and bury your father, as he made you swear. And he went beyond that request. So Joseph went up to bury his father, and with him went all the servants of Pharaoh, the elders of his house, and all the elders of the land of Egypt, as well as all the house of Joseph, his brothers and his father's house. Only their little ones, their flocks and their herds, they left in the land of Goshen. And there went up with him both chariots and horsemen, and it was a very great gathering. Probably the biggest funeral procession of all time. From the land of Goshen over 200 miles to what is now known as Hebron. Where the gravesite is still there, it is like a temple shared by Muslims and Jews honoring the burial of their patriarchs. And so in this incredible procession which took days to travel that distance, they came to the threshing floor of Atad, which is beyond the Jordan, and they mourned there with a great and very solemn lamentation. He observed seven days of mourning for his father. This is before they buried him. They took a break. And when the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, saw the mourning of the threshing floor of Atad, they said, this is a deep mourning of the Egyptians. Therefore its name was called Abel Mizraim, which is beyond the Jordan. So his sons did for him just as he had commanded them. For his sons carried him to the land of Canaan and buried him in the cave of the field of Machpelah before Mamre, which Abraham bought with the field from Ephron the Hittite as property for a burial place. Now they had been promised the promised land. The land of Canaan was promised to them. But the only land that Abram ever owned was land that he bought at top dollar. He paid so much with it, the purchase became historic. So there was no uh, pulling a shenanigan down at the title office to try to steal it. And there he was buried, and Sarah was buried, and Isaac was buried, and Rebekah was buried, and Leah was already buried. Not Rachel, she was buried on the side of the road on the way to Bethlehem. After he had buried his father... Joseph returned to Egypt, he and his brothers, and all who went up with him to bury his father. So this huge procession goes all the way back. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us for all the evil which we did to him. They had sold him into slavery when he was 17 years old. He served as a slave and also as a prisoner for 13 years years. That's tough to take from your brothers. You know, it's one thing for a stranger to insult you, but for people close to you, that really hurts. So they thought maybe Joseph was just being nice to us because of dad. So I think they span a yarn. They sent messengers to Joseph saying, before your father died, he commanded saying, thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespasses of your brothers and their sin, for they did evil to you. 
Now please forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. He could have wept, guys, you just don't get it. He could have wept because it was sweet to see them humble themselves again. He could have wept because they thought they had to lie to him if they were lying. He could have wept like, why didn't dad talk to me about this? We had so many talks, he never brought this up. Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face. And they said, behold, we are your servants. So once again, the boy Joseph's dream is fulfilled again. Joseph said to them, do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Now therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Do not be afraid. I will take care of you guys and your children. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. So Joseph dwelt in Egypt, he and his father's household, and Joseph lived 110 years. Joseph saw Ephraim's children to the third generation, so he saw his great-great-grandkids. The children of Makur, the son of Manasseh, so Manasseh's grandkids, were also brought up on Joseph's knees. And Joseph said to his brethren, I am dying, but God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land to the land which he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph took an oath from the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. So Joseph died, being 110 years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. And around four centuries later, as they made the great exodus under the leadership of Moses, accompanying them on the trip was... Joseph's mummy, his carcass, his bones in the casket, embalmed that they were. And in the book of Joshua, they are buried at a piece of property Jacob had given him. And we pray. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that what stands out to us today is what will change our lives the most. In Jesus' name, amen. This verse really speaks to me. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us for all the evil which we did to him. Maybe Joseph is holding a grudge. Tell someone, don't begrudge me my grudge. I'd like to speak to you the next few minutes on how to not hold grudges. Here's a humorous letter. Dear Frankie, We've been neighbors for six tumultuous years. When you borrowed my tiller, you returned it in pieces. When I was sick, you blasted rap music. When your dog went to the bathroom all over my front lawn, you laughed. I could go on, but I'm not one to hold grudges. So I'm writing you today to let you know that your house is on fire. Cordially, Billy Bob. This man is a former prime minister of Luxembourg and the former leader of the European Union. And he's known to possess a book of grudges. It's a little black book he calls 
in French, Le Petit Maurice, Little Maurice is his book. And interviewed by the press, he said, I record the names of everyone that crosses me. It's not full because not very many people betray me. But I do remind people when I'm being attacked, be careful, little Maurice is waiting for you. How to not hold grudges. Lessons from the life of Joseph. If you had $86,400 and someone stole $10 from you, would you waste $86,390 trying to get that $10 back? Would you? Well, each day we're given 86,400 seconds. And some offenses only take 10 seconds to commit. Just 10. A sharp word or something's not said with the right tone. 10 seconds to get hurt, and you'll waste the rest of the day, the rest of the seconds, worrying about it, regretting it, holding a grudge over it, staying awake at night, dealing with it. And these are more valuable than money. You spend these to make money. You can lose money and make it back, but the seconds we spend, we never get back. That's the word, how to not hold grudges. Remember this, this is a fact. People can be very wicked. Can we say wicked? They just can be. First couple years of pastoring, um, I was a little bit disillusioned, and my family and I went camping to Meridian State Park. Great little state park. In fact, all the state parks in Texas back then were awesome. And uh, I'm just not into sleeping on the ground anymore, but... It was great. And the next morning, I'm skipping rocks across that little pond there, that little lake with Zane. He's learning to do it, and I'm doing it. And I said, God, what's the deal? I'm not having any fun. I'm not enjoying this. This was my dream. I always wanted to be a pastor. What's going on? And three words appeared right here on my heart. They just were there. And it answered all my questions and made me laugh. The words were, people are sinners. Jesus said, it is impossible that offenses not come. But woe to him through whom they come. So we don't go into shock when they do stuff. Now Joseph had already reconciled with his brothers, but he knew what they were like. I mean, they came from a long line of deceivers. They sent messengers to Joseph. They didn't even do it. They sent some servants ahead, some employees, some ranch hands, maybe an Egyptian or two, an entourage of people ahead of them. Before your father died, he commanded us to tell you. These are what these servants are telling them. I beg you, please forgive the trespass of your brothers, their sin, for they did evil to you. How offensive is that? This would be my flesh. You know, you guys were into cool now, but now it's done. Done. Out of here. Go back to Canaan and leave the cattle with us. 
Because <laughs> Pharaoh took everybody's cattle, remember? He didn't do that. He was gracious. We need to remember apologies are often not perfect. They were wanting to make sure things were going to be fine. But they didn't do it perfect. Sending third parties? I mean, they're the ones that did the sin. Why didn't they come? Right? But folks, you've got to remember this. When you're offended, you've made a choice. And before you make that choice, think to yourself, this is an offensive situation. What am I going to do with it? What am I going to do with it? Am I going to make a mountain out of this molehill? Am I going to put some chips on my shoulder and knock them off and get mad about it? This apology was so imperfect. I mean, when you really look at it, it's terrible what they did. Now, please forgive the trespass of the servants of God your Father. First of all, if his dad wanted to tell him that, his dad would have told him. He says, Dad, hello, don't send a third party telling me what my father said. And number two, don't send a third party telling me what you need to say if you're feeling insecure. So this is imperfect, right? But how many times are apologies in every situation perfect? Invariably, you have to help them connect the dots. Why? Because they messed up. <laughs> right? Maybe not to the level that you thought they messed up, but they messed up. Why raise hurdles and mountains for them to climb before you'll give them the time of day? Joseph wept when this happened. Why? We can only guess. But looking at it, third parties come in with something his dad could have told him. He was with his dad when his dad died. He never mentioned this. This is an amazing, humorous, but sad story. I'm not recommending the movie, but the story of Philomena. As a teenage girl in 1951, she was pregnant out of wedlock. She went to stay at an abbey called Sean Ross in Roscrea, Ireland, where her infant son was born. When he was three years old, while she was working, paying her keep, working in the laundry, they adopted her son to some wealthy Americans for a hefty donation without telling her. And they led the Americans to believe that this child was an orphan. And they defended themselves by saying, well, it's your penance. It's your atonement for your wickedness. For 50 years, she tried to find out from them where he went. She never did. His name was Anthony. He grew up and became a well-known lawyer, worked for the Republican National Convention, the committee, worked for Ronald Reagan and George H.W. Bush. And he too made a journey back to that abbey to try to find out who his birth mom was. Died of AIDS in 1995. She didn't know any of this. 
And she hired a journalist who was interested in her story, so she did a contract with him, to try to find him. And he did his best work, found out he had died, and that his ashes were buried at the very abbey where she had been asking, please give us clues. It's an upsetting thing. But this lady, committed to walking in love, so at the time the book was written, she was like 80 years old. I don't know if she's still alive. This movie was made a few years ago. But here's a clip of the confrontation. if you can wait in here for her. Now remember, Martian, it's not their fault. They didn't know that he had a different name. Anthony was dying of AIDS and she still wouldn't tell him about you. But it happened to me, not you. It's up to me what I do about it. It's my choice. So what, you're just going to do nothing? No. Sister Hildegard. I want you to know that I forgive you. Just like that. It's not just like that. That's hard. That's hard for me. 
don't want to hate people. I don't want to be like you. Look at you. I'm angry. I forgive because I don't want to be like you. It was a situation where an institution had done the offense. And those can be the most difficult places to get apologies because they always think about liability and all that stuff. But there you are with your hurt. What are you going to do? You can be like Jesus. Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. He was put to death by a religion and by a government. No apologies necessary for him to do what his part was. We can at least start there when offended. Father, forgive her. Forgive him. Pray for their Lord to forgive them. Remember, apologies are not often perfect. Sometimes they're not even existent. But Joseph wept anyway. Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face. And they said, here they are talking, Behold, we're your servants. We're here. Looking at it from another angle, they did what they thought was best. May not have been 100% correct though. So, people are wicked, they do wrong, offenses are going to come, it's impossible for them not to come, and apologies that you're owed may not be perfect. Some people will apologize by giving you a gift. What are you trying to do, buy me off? No, that's their humble way of saying forgive me. They just can't because they feel unworthy sometimes, or they just don't have it in their language. Remember, this is so important, remember who is ultimately in control. Some of us handle our offenses as if there's no God, as if all things don't work together for good, as if we're just going to be victims to every situation. Joseph said to them, do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? You know, vengeance is God's, it's not ours. But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it, he allowed it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. He saved his family, his wisdom saved a nation and saved that part of the world. So God used what was meant for harm for good. Romans 8, 28 again. He said to his brothers in chapter 45, this again confirms he believes that God is in control. Come near to me, please. And they came near. He said, I'm your brother Joseph. This is when he revealed who he was. Whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me here. You sold me here, but God sent me here before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve for you 
God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. And so it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. And he continues, now hurry back to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Don't delay. You deserve the glory and the honor. Even when I'm hurting, even when I feel dishonored or discredited or overlooked or outright insulted, God's the one that deserves the glory. Amen? How to not hold grudges. Remember his blessings despite our trouble. In spite of those that are trying to hurt us, God's taken care of you thus far. You survived, right? Maybe they schemed, got together to destroy you. But you're still here. You're still surviving. Surely God's got some things under control. The Lord was with Joseph. This is earlier, before he was reconciled with his brothers. Genesis 39, 2. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. He was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. That the Lord blessed Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake, and the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house. Who is Lord? The offense or the Lord? We need to get offended at our offense. Of course, Potiphar's wife did what she did. Another offensive thing happened, falsely accused. Potiphar had him thrown in jail. And the Lord was with Joseph in jail and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. The keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. The keeper of the prison, verse 23, did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him and whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. So maybe you and I are not on a pathway to becoming prime minister of a nation. But God is with you. Give the Lord some praise. Call on his name. Give him some glory and give these situations to him. If you've done all that you know to do, stand. Keep on being blessed. You'll be blessed. And if somebody's out to destroy you, it will just annoy the heck out of them. Pardon my French. Remember, you're blessed to be a blessing. So while God is blessing us in spite of those that are trying to keep us from being blessed, we're blessed to the point that we're able to be a blessing even to those people. Now therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. Years ago, in 1976, I met an amazing man from Ethiopia an evangelist, a pastor, a leader, a church planner named Tekle Marion. He played the accordion and just a simple, God-loving guy. The Lord had changed his life. And 
we went on our first camera safari through a game park in Kenya. And he had this little black and white cameras, and, and he's taking pictures of wildebeest. And I mean, there's like tens of thousands of wildebeest. We've seen enough of them. We're looking for zebras and lions and hippos, giraffes, the rare things. And somebody said, Brother Tekle, haven't you taken enough pictures of wildebeest? He said, well, I haven't taken a picture of that one. And I haven't taken a picture of that one yet. Such a refreshing perspective on life. This is part of his story. During a government change, revolution, overthrow, or whatever was going on there in the conflict, soldiers surrounded his house, pulled him and his wife and children out, and hauled all their furniture out of their house and burned it in the front yard in front of their house, set it on fire, and then grabbed their newborn baby and threw him in the fire. They survived, but that would be hard to take, wouldn't it? Years later, he caught word that the leader of that patrol that had done that to him had a son that was deathly ill. You know what he did? He went to his house and prayed for his son. And you know what God did? God healed that son. That's God's grace. It's so strong it is offensive to our carnal mind. But he was blessed to be a blessing. Remember, we must bless all who curse us. He goes on and comforts these guys that had belittled him years earlier and schemed to end his life, to end his freedom. He comforted them and spoke kindly to them. He, he loved on them. They weren't worthy. That's grace. He said to his brothers later on in the chapter, I'm dying, but God will surely visit you. Spoke blessing to, to their descendants and bring you out of this land to the land of which he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. So those who had cursed him, he blessed <laughs> What did Jesus say? You know, we're looking at the roots of the gospel in the book of Genesis. Jesus in Genesis is the name of the series. He said, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who use you, spitefully use you, and persecute you. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. So when it rains, it doesn't just rain on your house. It rains on your offender's house too. That's God. And it has to be that way. Because if it wasn't, we would all be goners. All have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. He wants you and I to let him be God in every situation, especially the offensive ones. Let him sort it out. And he will use these things in our life to mature us. My final point, we're rounding 
third base, heading home. To not hold a grudge, it's important to remember Joseph. And to remember Jesus. Jesus' earthly father was named Joseph. Were it not for Joseph, the line, the bloodline of Judah would not have been preserved. If Joseph had remained an offended person, I'm sure he was offended for a while, uh, he would not have been used mildly like he was. God, God wouldn't have used him. When we're bitter, it stops God's blessing in our life. It just does. Remember Joseph and Jesus. We're going to take communion this morning. And we've been commissioned by the Lord to do this as often as we do it in remembrance of him. This is Luke's rendition of the Lord instituting the communion service. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He took bread when he had given thanks. He broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 1 Corinthians 11 gives these additional instructions that when we take communion, we are to discern the Lord's body. We are brothers and sisters, church. We are the body of Christ. And the hand will not say to the other hand, I have no need of you. That's not a healthy body, right? And the church in Corinth had issues like that going on. And Paul said, for this reason, many are sick, weak, and many are asleep. It's not sleeping in church, that's going to an early grave. That's Christian talk for death. Could it be we are robbed of blessings that we don't know because we're holding grudges? Grudges is a thing Christians never admit to having. It's time to begrudge your grudges and bring them out in the open and get over some stuff.
Amen? Lord, as we prepare our hearts to take communion, we ask in the mighty name of Jesus that you would use this revelation in remembrance of you as we partake, Lord, that we would enjoy the benefits that your broken body and shed blood provides with fresh revelation of healing and forgiveness and reconciliation and understanding to take to our families and to the world for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Hold your bread up while James prays for us. Lord, I pray right now for the your broken body that was yes, broken Lord. for us. And I pray, Lord, that it will bring us unity in the spirit, Lord, and Lord, Lord, that it will bring us healing. I pray for a mighty revival yes, of your, your broken body and your and the, the bread. Hallelujah, Lord, that you will bring healing upon this nation and this people and all of your people. As we do this, remember to you, Lord, in Jesus' name we partake. Hold your cup up as Greg blesses the cup. So Lord, your uh, word tells us that we do this in remembrance of you and Jesus. I thank you, Lord God, that uh, as we take this this cup, this wine, Lord. I thank you, Lord God, that you bridged the uh, time from when you did it in the physical and remind us that we will be reunited with you and do it again with you in heaven in communion with you, Lord. So, Father, we just thank you for this cup. Lord we, Jesus, we thank you for the blood of your new covenant that you established. And we give you praise for it, in Jesus' name. Let's stand and worship the Lord. If there's anyone you need to talk to, you can go talk to them before you leave the building. Can we do that? Amen. Anyone needing prayer, ask for it.
My sin was great, your love was greater. But what could separate us now? What a wonderful name it is. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a wonderful name it is. Nothing compares to this. What a wonderful name it is, the name of Jesus. What a wonderful name it is, the name of Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace in your mind, in your body, and in all your relationships. Amen. God bless you. Death could not hold